Redditors who have been kidnapped. What was your experience like? Are there things you do now that you would have never done before? Serious replies only. My father, quote, kidnapped me when I was seven and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I lived with my alcoholic mother and her insane boyfriend. I wasn't abused physically, but looking back, the mental abuse and neglect was very traumatic. Some borderline child-called-it things. Anyways, my father had visitation rights and picked me up every other weekend. One weekend, he came to get me and saw that I had not eaten much. Food was almost always under lock and key, and my mom and her boyfriend were nowhere to be found. So, my father told me, pack your stuff. We spent some time hiding out at different places with family, friends, even hotels in Laughlin and Vegas. It was like a mini vacation. I even remember staying at my dad's girlfriend's house when the cops showed up. I hid under the bed while they talked to her. At the end of the day, I never had to go back to my mom's boyfriend's house, and my father won majority custody. I'm not sure how I would have turned out if I had stayed there. Thanks, Dad. When I was maybe 10 or 11, my neighbor kidnapped me. She was this single woman in her 50s who was always super, super nice to me. She was always on her porch, and she'd wave when I came home from school. Anyway, I was walking home from school and she was waving as usual, but this time, she was beckoning me over. I went up to her porch and she asked me if I wanted some meatloaf she made. I freaking loved meatloaf, and she seemed harmless, so I said yes. I expected her to come outside with a plate or something, but instead, she called me in and told me to sit downstairs. I felt weird about it, but I followed her into her basement and sat down on a couch. She brought me a plate of meatloaf and I watched Pokemon 2000 on VHS. She had a freezer with those tube popsicle things too. After I ate, I told her I needed to go home, and she told me my parents called and asked her to keep me while they ran errands. I felt weird about it and suspected she was lying, but I just kind of went along with it. I remember I asked her if I could get my Game Boy at one point for my house, and she said my parents told me not to let me out of her sight. I remember watching Men in Black and falling asleep. When I woke up, I tried leaving, but the door was locked. She left some banana pudding for me on the table for when I woke up, so I just had that and went back to sleep. She opened the door at like 5 in the morning, woke me up, and asked me if I wanted to go home. She looked like she'd been crying. I told her yes, and she let me go. My parents asked me where I was, and I just told them I went home with a friend after school. I didn't have a cell phone, so it was pretty normal for me to just be gone for a day. I didn't see my neighbor on her porch the next Monday, so I knocked on her door. She came outside, and we talked on the porch about stuff. We never talked about that night, and she probably thought I didn't even realize what happened. She didn't say, but I think she had a kid who died a couple years prior and wanted to fill the gap. I never hated her for it or anything. Until I moved a couple years later, I would sit on her porch after school most days, and she listened to my neat facts about space. My sisters and I were kidnapped by our father repeatedly between the ages of two and four. He would take us from our mother. She had brain damage and a serious drug problem, beat us if we made noise, and lock us in a closet and forget to feed us for days at a time. Each kidnapping lasted between two weeks and six months, depending on how long it took for my mother to realize we were gone and ask for help. He was a very scary man. He just wanted money from the state, food stamps and welfare. He would also try to get money out of my maternal grandmother. In fact, she's the only reason the cops kept getting involved in trying to locate him. She had money and influence, and used it. I don't remember much because I was so young, but I remember being scared, and in pain, and a uniformed cop opening a door and letting light in. I was terrified of being locked in the dark for years after, and sandy-haired men with mustaches still can make me very nervous. I'm 41 now. 
When I got divorced, my kids were almost the exact same age as my sisters and I were when the kidnapping started. It was a struggle to keep those old fears in check. I posted this on a different account I don't remember the password for. This is a long one, but it gets good. Two years ago, I was very hungover on a summer Saturday in Manhattan. A girl I was seeing at the time was angrily getting her things together and proceeded to storm out of the apartment, which was shared by myself and four other guys. My old roommates had moved to a new apartment the night before. There are boxes and miscellaneous crap everywhere. I'm laying in bed, dying. It's around 9 or 10 a.m. About five minutes after the girl storms out, there's a knock at the door. She must have forgotten her phone charger or something. I get up in my boxers, walk across the living room where all the unpacked and half-packed crap is, and open up the door. Behind the door was one of the scariest faces I've ever seen. Very beady eyes, thick mustache, scarred up face, balding man in his 50s. I was holding the door slightly ajar. Since it wasn't who I thought it was, I stepped behind the door a bit to hide my pale body and stuck my head through the crack. He asked if Billy was home, one of my old roommates. I told him that Billy had moved out the day before. With that said, he put all of his body weight into the door, sending me flying back. This dude was enormous. As I was recovering from this and trying to think why someone would be so angry with Billy, this gentleman open hand slaps me so hard I hit the ground. I am now awake. My new houseguest identifies himself as Big Tony and demands to speak with Billy. I go into my room, right off of the living room where Big Tony is now setting up shop, and put on pants and grab my phone. Tony has already made it very clear not to call the police or try to run out of my apartment or I might fall out of the window or get shot in the knees. Apparently, Billy owes him a lot of money. I call Billy, who says he's never heard of Big Tony, and Billy is convinced it's a joke. Tony asks for the phone, where I hear Billy telling Big Tony to go screw himself and to get out of his old apartment. Tony is now upset and starts telling Billy that his roommate, myself, might get hurt if he doesn't learn some manners and come to the old apartment. Billy hangs up. Tony, for some reason, took a liking to me. He apologized for the slap, gave me cigarettes, and said he hoped that this would all work out. He constantly comments on the fact that I'm living like an animal, since there's stuff all over the apartment, and asking if me and my old roomies watch betting sports. We never watch sports, never had cable. He asks if Billy's last name is something, which it isn't, then asks if Billy is from somewhere, that he isn't, and then asks if Billy is enrolled in a university, that he isn't. I inform Big Tony that I'm fairly confident he is in the wrong apartment. Just as I'm getting him to back off and believe that there might be more than one Billy living in an apartment building, there was another knock at the door. Quote, If it's the cops or your parents, I'm the maintenance guy. My parents were coming to help me move out that afternoon. I open the door, and it's Henry, another one of my old roommates. I inform him he's picked a bad time as he's already waltzing inside to get some things. Tony poses as my uncle for a few minutes before I intervene and tell Henry that this giant man is looking for Billy, who he believes owes him money. Henry, do you guys gamble? Yeah, we gamble all the time. We play dice and cards a lot. I try explaining to Tony that we don't gamble on sports, but now we have to go through the whole gambit again. After another half hour of questions with Henry, Tony is back to believing he is in the wrong apartment. He calls his quote, co-worker, to get a picture texted to him. It's not Billy. Okay. I tell Tony good luck and try to shoo him out of the apartment. No, it's never that easy. Tony wishes to take Henry and I out for coffee and donuts, his personal apology. I refuse. He won't have it. I'm in a Starbucks ordering donuts and coffee, which we consume in a nearby park, and listen to Tony's stories. Half an hour later, he says we can leave. At this point, it didn't seem like we were being kept, though, and we head back. 
Naturally, no one believes us. We have a party in the old-slash-pretty-empty apartment. I stay at a friend's place in the building and wake up to knocks. Straight-up nom flashbacks. It's my buddy Tom, who also lives in the building. He tells me someone's outside looking for me. Great. I get dressed and head outside to find Big Tony, who gives me a grocery bag filled with beer and cigarettes. Tom and a few other friends from the building come outside and we drink beer and styrofoam cups on the street while listening to Tony's stories. Everyone believes Henry and I, and if I'm ever in Tony's neighborhood, I should call him for dinner on him. TLDR, I got Big Lebowski'd. This happened a while ago when I was six. I come from a third world country, and at the time, kidnappings were at an all-time high. We lived in a fairly nice neighborhood, no kidnappings there, no theft, great neighbors. We felt pretty safe, and therefore, my mom wasn't too worried. Our house was a gated residence, so we had a front yard and a backyard. I was out one morning in the front yard, playing with some toys while my mom was inside working or cooking or whatever. Someone knocked on the front gate. Me being a dumb child, decided to go up and ask who it was. It was this fairly old man who asked for some water. Me being the nice helping child, opened the door and was snatched immediately. I don't particularly remember what happened after that, but I woke up in a compound which I'm pretty sure was far from home. They hadn't done anything bad to me as far as I know, but they did try to feed me food that I didn't like. I was a picky child and so, all I ate was fruit. They had asked for ransom, which to this day, I don't know how much it was. They just kept me in a room all day with duct tape on my mouth and ropes around my feet and hands. They did take the duct tape off to let me drink water or eat food. Anyways, a few days later, the police busted them and arrested them. They ended up in jail for life is what I was told. Not too long after that, my parents decided to move to a different country and now all is well. I still think about what might have gone wrong if they had sold me into child slavery or something. Fairly common in my country. Life resumed after that. I'm as happy as a 20-year-old can be. Nothing really changed. I still don't know why I was kidnapped. Maybe for ransom or whatever. In exactly a month, it'll be my 14th kidnapping anniversary. Not much like the other stories here, but my ex-boyfriend abducted me from my parents' home when I was 19, threw me in the trunk of his car, and drove off. About eight hours later, a lot happened in between, including me getting out of the trunk and into the back seat. The police spotted his car and engaged in a high-speed pursuit. He crashed into a tree, served about four years, and is out with the wife and three kids now. It didn't affect me as much as people expected it to, and I haven't really changed anything in my life because of it. It happened in the past, and that's how I view it. My mother kidnapped me. My parents were in the middle of an ugly divorce and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Since she depended on my father for money, she assumed she would lose me in the custody battle. My mother is a dual Canadian and American citizen. My father is American. So one day, when my dad was at work, she didn't send me to school and took me from USA to Canada. There was nothing my dad could do because we weren't in the USA. It was several months before my mom decided to do the quote, right thing, and go back to the States. By that time, my dad has lawyered up so well, she basically lost all rights to parenting me. This happened when I was 6-7. to seven. My mother ended up moving back to Canada to be with her family. If I could go back, I would have begged my mom not to return to the States. What the courts didn't care to hear was that my dad was a quote, functioning alcoholic. He was abusive in every way. When my parents divorced, my mom couldn't afford to live in the USA. So I was raised by my abusive father for another decade until I moved out at 17. He had me too terrified to tell anyone, just like my mom was. I'm now 28 and trying to build positive relationships with both my parents now that I've forgiven both of them. TLDR, mom kidnapped me and took me from USA to Canada. Several months later, 
Mom felt guilty and returned me to the USA. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So back when I was around seven or eight, my family went to visit our home country of Pakistan. Anytime someone from the USA comes and visits Pakistan, it's kind of a big deal depending on where you're going. Where we visited was a small village of maybe 200 or so people, and so word gets out fast that, quote, rich Americans are coming. This makes us targets, as people believe we come with pockets full of treasures and gold and money. Anyways, I'm with my cousin, who at the time was also eight, at a sketchy arcade place. Sketchy because it only had like three games, and it was located in the back of a beat-up mini store. So I'm playing, and my cousin tells me it's time to go, but I was so into the game that I didn't want to go. He leaves, and I stayed. As I'm playing, these two guys come into the arcade room and just start watching me play and start giving me comments on how good I was. And when I responded back, I responded back in English, not the native language of Punjabi. So they knew I was an American. Next thing I know, they grab me by the hands and tell me to come with them. All I remember is crying while they dragged me in the daylight in front of other people to some house. Once at the location, an old lady, who I assume was their mother, was frantic and asking who I am and why I was crying and why I was there. The guys told her to pretty much shut up and threw me into a room. I remember just standing at the door of the room and banging and crying for what seemed like hours, and every now and then they would tell me to shut up or they would hurt me, but I kept crying and banging. After what seemed like many hours, the woman slash mom opened the door and told me to run home. I booked it so fast out of there, but I had no clue where I was. I just ran, and whenever I would see a kid or a woman, I would ask where the arcade was because I knew how to get home from there. Pakistan is notorious for what they do to little kids, especially young boys. Young boys are used for trafficking, and so, reflecting back on this incident, I would say I was one lucky kid, because God knows where I would be today. I met a man online who was around my parents' age. He pelted me with compliments and told me how pretty I was and everything a teenage girl wants to hear. I met him in secret every other weekend for three months. I would tell my parents I was staying at a friend's house, and then he and I would get a hotel room for the weekend. He started getting really controlling, bordering on physically abusive, so after a particularly harsh fight, I told him I didn't want to see him anymore. A few months later, he showed up at my job as I was leaving and told me he wanted me to come to his house, two hours away, so we could talk about stuff. I told him I had nothing to say to him and tried to leave. He told me he had recorded us in bed, and if that I didn't go with him, he would make sure my parents, my siblings, and my boss got a copy of it. That we were just going to talk so he could explain why he acted the way he had. I was terrified of my parents finding out that I'd been lying and sleeping with a the guy their age. So I went with him. He made me drive his car there, probably because we had to go through a toll booth with a camera and it would look less against my will if I was the one driving. We got to his house and he immediately turned violent. He shoved me into his room and locked the door. He ended up keeping me there for a week. During that time, he pretended to be my father and called in to work for me. He made me sign on to all of my accounts online, email, AIM, MySpace. He had a keylogger set up on his computer, so now he had all of my passwords. He took my phone the moment we got to his house. He wrote a quote, script, and had me call nearly everyone in my phone and tell them that I didn't want to be friends with them anymore and never to contact me again. 
One day, he took me for a drive to this park bordering a river and told me that that was where he was going to bury me. That night, I started actively fighting back. Prior to that, I thought he was just going to let me go eventually. I kicked him in the testicles and hit him in the face, but that only made him mad, and he shoved me on the bed and knelt on my back with my hands behind my back while screaming at me and whacking me in the side of the head. He was so ticked off that night that he used my phone and called my dad around 6 in the morning and left him a voicemail saying, You don't know where your daughter really is or what she's been up to, and you never will. My dad called my phone probably 20 to 30 times. The guy eventually was afraid he'd tell the police, so he had me answer and told me to tell my dad it was all a joke. He sat pretty much on top of me and told me if he caught me trying to tell him where I was, he would kill me. I told my dad my friends and I had been drinking and it was one of my friend's idea of a prank. When I was little, I had this friend who I would play with, but she always wanted me to spend the night and would pressure me into calling and asking my parents. My dad came up with a trick where he would ask me, are you going to watch wrestling tonight? And if I said yes, it meant I wanted to stay. If I said no, it meant I wanted him to say I could not stay. At the end of our phone call, for the first time in probably 10 years, he asked, are you going to watch wrestling tonight? And I said no. When we hung up, he called the police and called all of my friends that he could get a hold of. He eventually called the one friend who I had told about this guy, and he had all of his info, name, phone number, everything. Within 24 hours, I was safe at home, confessed everything to everyone, got a bunch of phone calls from friends who were confused and worried, and everything worked out. I never ever go anywhere without multiple people knowing where I'll be and who I'm with. I carry pepper spray and a self-defense weapon, and I never met another person online. I'm 31 now, and it's still something I think about more often than I like to. I was a victim of parental kidnapping as a child. It was terrifying because I knew the situation was wrong and I shouldn't have been with my mother, but even when I could put together words to say that, I was scolded because, no, that's your mother. Your mother can't kidnap you. It was one of many events that made me lose all faith in, quote, authority figures. Since it happened when I was young, I don't do anything different in my life as an adult, but I do get very annoyed when people complain about having to sign out their kid from daycare and facing any sort of hurdles when taking their kid out of school or daycare early. Familial kidnapping is real and could be as traumatizing, if not more so, than stranger kidnapping. I was lucky that mom just wanted her sympathy ticket. I was forced to march in front of a BOV, an armored personnel carrier, with 20 other people who had been rounded up by the VRS, the Army of the Republika Srpska. We marched in camp with them for two weeks and were used as human shields around vehicles and outposts. About four of us were shot, and three of us had died before I was taken to give stitches to some sort of officer who had a gash in his leg, and I was able to negotiate my release and the release of one woman who I had marched with, who was also able to pay. I wouldn't say I'd do things differently now, but it drained the life out of me completely at the time. Any desire I had before that to stay and ride the war out was totally gone. To this day, I have an extremely derisive attitude towards war and resent those who start them. Used to go running in my area when I was in high school. I've had older men offer me rides and follow me around, driving really slow back and forth past me, giving me the creeper eyes. I've even had women try and offer me into their car. One guy in a crappy rusty red van followed me for 20 minutes. I remember the look in his eyes, leaning back into his car, shirtless. I remember crossing the road several times and he kept making U-turns. I eventually faked crossing the road at one point and jumped a brick wall into this guy's yard. A huge dog came running out to meet me. I chose the dog versus the guy. The dog ran up to me to attack and simply licked me. An old dude came outside and I told him about it. 
I helped him work on his old Jaguar for hours before I felt safe to run home. Also, I'm a guy, and this was when I was 16 to 17 years old. I can't imagine how a woman may feel. I just got my concealed weapons permit, and I'm working on getting my GF hers. Screw creepers. I am Peter Moore, the longest-held hostage in Iraq, kept captive for over 2.5 years. In April of 2007, I accepted a three-month posting in Iraq working for the American IT consulting firm Bearing Point. I arrived in Baghdad on the 2nd of April 2007, where my main job was to develop spending reports from the computer system used within the Ministry of Finance. On the 29th of May 2007, around 100 Iraqi police officers from the Ministry of Interior entered the building and took away myself and four British guards. For six months, I was moved around meeting up with the British guards. In December of 2007, I was separated from the other Britons and was held with two Americans. In June of 2007, I was transported back to Baghdad, and this was the last time I had contact with any of the other hostages. In May of 2009, the number two commander of the militia, Laith al-Khazali, was released from U.S. custody in exchange for the bodies of two of the British guards. In September, over 100 militia were released in exchange for the body of one of the guards. On the 30th of December 2009, 946 days, or two years, seven months, and one day, after I was captured, I was released in exchange for the militia leader, Qais al-Khazali. The last of the hostages' bodies were eventually handed over in early 2012. He has posted an AMA on Reddit, which I will leave a link to in the comments. Thank you for listening to these stories. If you enjoy this content, please consider subscribing.